Welcome to the Elijah Rising podcast. Elijah Rising is an organization empowering women recovering from sexual exploitation. This episode is going to help you become more aware about the issue of sex trafficking and inspire you to take action. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. If you haven't already, go ahead and like and subscribe so that more people can access this important content. And today, I am joined on the podcast by David Gamboa, the Director of Communications here at Elijah Rising. Welcome back to the podcast, David. You know, thanks for having me. I will say it's a little terrifying being on this side of the camera because I'm so used to just watching and listening. David (laughs) is normally right behind that lens. Uh, And so he's our producer extraordinaire and does all things production. But today we've got you on the podcast. And so why don't we just go ahead and set the context? What are we doing today? Uh, We're going to talk about some trafficking cases that were in the news recently, specifically targeting Houston. Yeah. And um, when I started at Elijah Rising, I had like no experience in this anti-trafficking space. Like I literally came from like a bubble. I had no idea this existed. Um, My first job was to create social media posts. For Elijah Rising. For Elijah Rising, yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of the first things I started doing was um, there's what's called online listening. Okay. And so there are these tools that you can listen for things online. And whenever people post or mention like Elijah Rising yeah, or yeah, Adam yeah. Cheney or right. David or Houston sex trafficking, I'll get an email okay. and it shows me you know, all these topics yeah. um, that were being brought up. So like whether that's... sites or Twitter. Exactly. Yeah. Somewhere on the website or on the web somewhere it's popping up and you're getting a notification because of it. Yeah. So yeah. I read these regularly. And, yeah, you yeah. know, over the course of four years, I began to notice and learn from things and mm. from doing intervention, just begin to see um, some of these things that, that we'll talk about in this case. Sure. Um, but I, by no means am I an expert, but I am a concerned citizen. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I want to help our audience step into. Yeah. Um, becoming aware of what's happening in our city. It's in the news. We just kind of often scroll past it yeah. or we'll share it and not think about it ever again. Right. But these are things that we need to be thinking about, learning um, how this problem is continuing to grow and what it looks like in our communities. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, and so that's what we're going to discuss today is how to uh, be a more informed citizen. And so kind of what we're going to do is a little bit different today on the podcast in our normal kind of uh, structure. Oh, uh, so uh, as David has mentioned, he had a couple of news, story that, news stories that have popped up. And so I'm just going to give a brief of the first one and then we'll dive into yeah. it. Okay. Uh, So according to a criminal complaint filed on March 30th, the Houston family, uh, Maria Botello and her two adult children and a nephew are accused of coordinating a sex trafficking operation in which the family forced women to be waitresses in their bar. uh, And the name of that bar was Puerto Alegre here in Houston to perform sex acts on customers. Uh, The complaint states that Maria would coordinate dates with clients who paid $70 for every 15 minutes with the women. Her son and her nephew were the, uh, and the report says, quote, unquote, the enforcers who used weapons, threats, and intimidation to keep the women compliant, and some of whom were minor children. Authorities also identified another victim who was brought to the United States specifically to work at that bar when she was 17 years old, according to the same complaint. 
While she was there, she was allegedly forced to engage in commercial sex acts. Now, if convicted, the family members each face a minimum of 10 years, uh, but in this case in particular, they could face up to life in federal prison. So that's the first story we want to kind of think through and talk about. So this is, um, we are not strangers to this bar. Absolutely. This is not the first time we've heard of this location. This was a place that was on our on our van tour, one of the iterations of our former awareness van tour, um, which we're working on, kind of revamping that in this in this period that COVID has caused it to shut down. Uh, so this was a number of years ago. Uh, but why do you think you know if we knew about it back then? Like, why do you think it has taken this long for this bar in particular to be shut down? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, yeah, it was on the van tour even before I became yeah. a part of Elijah. Like, it's I been years. Honestly, didn't even go to that iteration of oh, the wow. Wow. van tour because I think y'all used to go Galleria area and then go down into the ship, ship, channel. ship channel. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but I did, when I first began to volunteer, I went on intervention and yeah. I was just kind of placed on the cantina team <laughs> <laughs> with, you know, um, limited experience. But as I began to go, yeah. Um, this was one of the places that we went to frequently. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was it was shocking to me because you know we'd walk in and there would be just tons of girls everywhere. Yeah, and it's not that big of a building. No, it's just very small for, for context. Yeah, right. It's very small, and um, you know I would just go there and I would sit at the bar mm. and I would strike up a conversation and I would just listen. Yeah, and. Uh, and people would just tell you their stories of, of mm. how they got there and um, what was difficult with doing intervention is there was one time where this wasn't at uh, this place, but it was a place that was right next door to it. Yeah, because they are. That's, that's a good point, too, there, David, is like in some of these locations where especially the cantina trade is operating, you will have multiple bars that operate almost identically, but you'll have like four or five on the same street. Um, so anyways, go ahead. Yeah. So on this, like for this street example, there's probably four on the same like corner. Right. right. And they all are the same type of, you know, it's a bar you walk in, there's women and you know, they sell beers and all that. Um, cash only. Right. Um, but we go to one of those that's next door and we notice a young girl. Mm. Um, we weren't able to approach her. They, people kept protecting her. Um, she was, she just looked like sick mm. and she was at the bar sipping a Gatorade, mm. which I thought, you know, was strange. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Stood um, out to you. Yeah. So we just had a feeling like this is someone like, that's a minor that shouldn't be here. And so we did call law enforcement and they came and they weren't able to find the girl. Wow. We called them, they came and and they searched the whole place, went through the back kitchen and couldn't Couldn't find find her. her. Yeah. And so that was when I began to realize like the challenge Hmm. that law enforcement faces with shutting these places down. Yeah. And even, you know, our as Elijah Rising, our whole mission of intervention isn't necessarily to go shut these places down. Right. Because that would, we wouldn't be welcome in those places. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a kind of a weird line to walk because we want to provide resources to the women. Right. And we want to do it in a way that's safe. Yeah. And we want to do it in a way where we go in and 
you know, we're not seen as a threat to everybody in there. Now, it's not our mission. We're not, you know, yeah. law enforcement. We're not some, you know, Navy SEAL. Yeah, we don't even have, yeah, uh, you we make a no great weapons, point. Like. Right. We don't have the <laughs> the means nor the authority in most cases to, you know, walk in, kick the door in, shut it down, right? That's not what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and people know that we're there, that we're with the church. So it's right. not like we are undercover posing as, yeah. People, like, people know we're there to provide resources. Sure. We don't try and hide that. And, um, you know, there's cameras at these places. So um, people know you're coming, like, yeah. the second that you turn on the road, they know who's there. Yeah. Uh, they know if you're not a typical a regular, A regular. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, and, and it takes time for, like, law enforcement to build a case. Sure. So we can provide tips, which we have before. We've we've noticed things at cantinas. Like yeah. uh, one time, we noticed a jukebox, and hmm. you could actually scroll through the jukebox, and it was different women's pictures. Yeah. And so you know, we took a picture of that and sent it. Yeah. Um, we've we've made other kind of. Well, I mean, the, even the yeah. story you you just shared. I mean, you you noticed someone who looked to be a minor. And you went outside and called the police and waited, yeah. you know. And unfortunately, in that case, you know, they they obviously moved that woman somewhere else, or that child, I should say, somewhere yeah, else. Um, so, what does what does this case, this one in particular, uh, show you about other cantinas in in Houston? Like, what what does it reveal to you? What does it make you think about? When not just for Puerto Alegre, but for the whole kind of that typology of trafficking in our city. Yeah, well, it's very easy to walk in one of these places and just think, well, this is a bar. Hmm. You know, there's yeah, no point. trafficking happening here. Sure. Um, but when you begin to see, you know, like with this case where they use weapons, threats, yeah. uh, intimidation to keep um, the women compliant, um, they had like rules and procedures for right. how to operate this sex trafficking operation. You know, that tells me that the places that we do visit, the odds are very likely that this same thing is going on. Sure, yeah. In those, I mean, if you, they're, they all probably know each other, yeah. surely, you know? Yeah. If you're a business and you work next door to another business, odds yeah. are you know the people across the street. Yeah. And so this just shows us that, um, you know, these bars aren't safe places. Right. Um, in this particular case, it's saying that there was a 17-year-old that was actually brought... Um, from another country, right? Specifically to, to work. work, yeah, at, at that this place, at that one location, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I guess you know, why then is it important for? Um, it makes sense for you yeah. to know about this. Like, it, it, it makes a lot of sense for you to be well informed and for you to understand how these places operate, uh, especially for us, you know, at Elijah Rising, like we, it is our job, right. To go into these places, to do intervention, to offer those resources. But why is it important for the average citizen to understand? Why is it important for someone watching us right now on the camera or listening in their car right now, driving down 610 somewhere to understand how these places operate and how difficult it is to, uh, you know, yeah. disrupt them. I would say the reason why these places are still open is because not enough people care. Wow. We look at, you know, high profile cases like Jeffrey Epstein, yeah. where everyone in the United States, maybe even the world, sure. would say this man did atrocious things and that is unacceptable. 
Right. Well, those same things are happening in our city, and we've just kind of turned a blind eye to it, yeah. or maybe we literally are just we don't know. Like, right. you know, we live in bubbles. Like, I, I'll admit, mm. I was a youth pastor, so my bubble was the church world. Like, yeah, yeah. You would never find me in a cantina until right. I went on intervention. And right. I, once I stepped out of that bubble, I began to realize, like, wow, there are mm. these situations and these circumstances and these these trafficking operations that are happening right here in our communities. Yeah. And if if we all don't do our job of help bringing this to the light, it's just going to be, you know, another news story, another statistic. Yeah. Well, Houston's going to continue to have these, well, it's another sex trafficking bus happens where... Yeah. And, you know, previously Houston has had some big headlines where more than, you know, 50 women were, you know, found in, in these places, these cantinas yeah. historically. Um, I think criminals are innovative. Sure. And so one of the things we've been seeing is like there's not as many women yeah. in the places. They move them around um, yeah. to kind of just blend in with other business like just you know this is just a bar it's not a trafficking operation but right. i think if more people cared and more more people saw this this 17 year old as a child mm, yeah great point and even the women there to see them like this could have been i mean it it could mean life or death for them or right. their families you know there's there's violence and threats made on their families back in other countries well and that's the thing too like we actually don't know right i mean this this place yeah. was operating this family was operating for uh, you know, years and years, ten, more than 10 years, more than 10 years. Right. I mean, and we've been aware of it and law enforcement has been aware of it for a long time. And you made a great point. Like it takes a while to get these cases going and get enough evidence. But like, um, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is like, we actually don't know the, the extent to which the injustice has affected how many lives. Right. I mean, yeah. there's just untold stories. Yeah, in fact, right now they're even asking for victims to come forward because they know that there's yeah. there's much more. Yeah, yeah, great point there too, David. Um, you know this this story just broke in March, um, but they actually haven't been convicted of anything yet. So I mean, yeah. there are certain instances and certain cases where, without I think you know the public support and public outcry, and without good uh, judges and good DAs uh, and good prosecutors, people like this family can just walk go away. Yeah, and I will say one thing I've noticed is, um, you know, if you have a Netflix account, mm. Narcos is a big mm. TV show on there sure. that highlights um, cartels like the Medellin cartel, right, and cartels right. in Mexico, and it's almost become just kind of like a like a voyeuristic obsession with, sure. you know, this this kind of criminal underground, um, and it's kind of glorified that that culture, yeah. But the truth is, you know, it's really, really happening in right. our city, affecting real women, affecting real children. And yeah, and the, man, that that is such a good point too. Like, because I I'm a fan of the show too, right? Like, well, I've watched it. I, yeah, yeah. But that first season, it's like you kind of you kind of fall in love with Pablo a little bit, right? And it's like, wait, 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 he blew up a, a an airliner, right? <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, it's you the know storytelling I mean? and the yeah. way that you know cinematographers, I yeah, mean, they can. Storytelling is so powerful. Yeah, it can make you uh, glorify things that 
you know, maybe in your normal life, you wouldn't glorify. Yeah. 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 And I think your point there though, is like, this is not just a problem for Medellin in Colombia. Yeah. Like this, this problem is here. It's not just over there. It's not just some other country or some other places problem. Yeah. And I think we fall into a trap because we say, Oh, well that happens in Mexico. Right. But the market is here. Yeah. Great point. The market is Houston. The market right. is California, United States. Yeah, yeah. Like we're providing this market where criminals can bring human beings over to be right. purchased. So we're as much of the problem. And um, it's basic economics, right? Supply and demand. Yeah. There's a demand, thus, there is a supply. Right? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to take a break in the podcast, but when we come back on the other side, we're going to look at one more recent story that's been uh, in the news with a Houston connection. So we'll see you on the other side. Take a second and think about how many subscription services you have. Netflix, Hulu, Spotify. If you're like me, you have more than you actually use. That money just disappears out of your bank account, or maybe you don't even use the product anymore. So why not donate that same amount of money to Elijah Rising and know that every dollar you spend directly serves those who are overcoming sex trafficking. We invite you to join The Rise. The Rise is a dedicated community of recurring donors who give strategically to fund the work of ending sex trafficking. Join our community of more than 200 members who have decided to rise up. $10 a month can provide services for women seeking to exit exploitation. $40 a month can provide job training and employment for an overcomer of trafficking. Donate online via credit card, debit, ACH, or Apple and Google Pay at ElijahRising.org slash rise. Hey, welcome back. All right, let's dive into this next story, David. Um, on April 26, 2021, so just recently from uh, the point in which we're filming, 30-year-old Luis de Jesus Rodriguez, a.k.a. H-Town Hunter, a bounty hunter of sorts, uh, pled guilty and was convicted of sex trafficking, conspiracy to commit visa fraud, and international money laundering, according to acting U.S. Attorney Jennifer B. Lowry, and he was sentenced to 180 months in federal prison for leading an international sex trafficking ring. Now, what's interesting about this story is in 2016, Rodriguez and his international criminal network targeted, recruited, and exploited young women in Colombia and in the United States by making false promises of a better life. Now, that, that we hear often in yeah. these cases, but Rodriguez directed them. This is what is unique, I think, in this one. Uh, Rodriguez directed them to watch YouTube videos of himself portraying him as a bounty hunter in order to assure the women that he was affiliated with law enforcement and could be trusted by them. Now, however, once here, the women had to work at uh, at Chicas Locas, another cantina here in Houston, or a strip, strip club, club yeah. sorry, a, a strip club here in Houston. And Rodriguez and others forced the victims to sign debt bondage contracts with debts ranging anywhere from $13,000 to $25,000. And they also, the the victims had to make daily payments of approximately $250. And if you can only imagine 
I mean, a day, two hundred fifty dollars yeah, a day. Adds it adds up, and most days you're not able to meet that quota, or uh, you know, whatever the case. Yeah. So, um, so what do you think? What, what's your what's your reaction to the story, and what can we learn from it? Well, I think you know, like you brought up the YouTube videos. Yeah. you mentioned yeah. that. And um, for me, when I first got involved with this, I, I really an obstacle for me in understanding the issue was, well, how do people get manipulated mm. into doing something like this? Yeah, good question. Um, and I began to, you know, I watched his videos. Yeah, we we did go to YouTube and we did take a look at them. Yeah, and I realized, you know, if you were in a vulnerable position, like let's say, you know, you didn't have a car. And you needed to get to work. And yeah. all of a sudden, someone comes around and says, hey, I have this car for you. Yeah, It's like, you might think, well, you know, that's a little too good to be true. But mm. because you need that, yeah, you want to trust. Our natural inclination is to trust people. Sure. And, um, you know, most people don't get... Um, don't become in contact with people that are out to hurt them. Yeah, yeah, great point. All the time, yeah. but it's very true that you can't really trust yeah. anyone. People well, and that you don't know. And you, you're like everybody lives with this set of vulnerabilities, right? Yeah. And so you, you make a great point about like you know if you're needing a vehicle and somebody says you're a trusting person or whatever, and somebody says, "Hey, I've got a vehicle for you." First of all, you're inclined to trust them. Second of all, uh, right, and you, you don't expect them to exploit you. And second of all, you. Someone is intentionally and strategically exploiting a vulnerability that you have, yeah. which makes you more inclined to say yes or end up in some exploitative relationship. Yeah, and this person is also exploiting you know, women from another country. Yeah. And so he's posing with law enforcement. And so if you're in Colombia, you think, well, this guy must be safe because you know, here he is. Uh, one of the videos, he's actually in a school with children. With young children, and I'm sure seeing that video for someone could develop some level of trust. Sure, and yeah. um, the so, people yeah. the people who take care of those kids, you know, obviously trusted him to let him you in. Know, come in and film this video. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think you know, in, in those videos, he's wearing a uniform. He's got on a you know a Kevlar vest, like posters. He's signing signatures. Yeah, he was actually on the news. I think it was a, a local news station yep. that actually interviewed this guy, and he has it on his YouTube channel. So that's another social kind of proof mm-hmm. that you know these victims saw that and they trusted this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I guess like is that is that unique? I mean, it, I said kind of as I ran through the story, like that's kind of unique. But I do wonder, like, are there other traffickers who are using social props to manip- manipulate women into sex trafficking, or you know, posing as law enforcement or whatever the case? Yeah, I, I'm absolutely. I think. Yeah. You know, I, I can't speak because I'm sure I'm not an expert, but you know, even I have sat in on a on a court trial that um, was alleging this club mm, the as same one. having yeah prostitution trafficking specifically Colombian women yeah and in the trial we saw pictures uh, of women being brought in we saw text messages we saw uh, rap sheets we saw we heard audio from undercover officers yeah. Um, so all sorts of evidence pointing to the fact that this club was facilitating trafficking. Yeah. And with that case, it basically just kind of fell off the radar. And what was interesting, what I learned from that is we went to that case, hmm. and uh, one of the attorneys approached us and 
they were like, why are you guys here? Mm. We're like, well, you know, we're the Elijah Rising, we fight trafficking, we're doing this blog, and, you know, we really want some details on this case so that we can write about it. And she basically, like, wrote us this long email later because she was like, nobody cares about these wow. trafficking cases that are being in court. Like, there's no news here most of the time. Most of the women... Um, you know, primarily women traffic from Asian or mm. Central South American countries. She was like, they're treated like less than human mm. in our courts, and no one is here to write about it and, and let the public know, basically. Yeah, wow. And that, you know, what stands out to me about that, David, is this kind of just hit me. Like, even in this story, like, we're very thankful that this individual was caught, right? And, and, and hopefully, I mean, he, he was, um, you know, convicted and sentenced 180 months. But where are the victims? Like, where are the women that he lied to, forced, frauded, and coerced into trafficking? I don't, I don't know. I mean, and the source that I was reading from is the state, uh, you know, the, the, the state department's website, cause he committed federal crimes. Uh, but you know, to that lawyer's point to you that day, nobody really focuses on the women, <laughs> Yeah, right. and and it is a. I think it's a, it's a challenge because you know if you want to build a case, you have to have a money trail. Sure, you have to have evidence. Show, yeah. Evidence, and then another piece of evidence is having victims come forth and testify. Yeah. But as I'm reading this, you know, it's saying you know when a victim was wanted to leave or was non-compliant, Rodriguez resorted to violent methods. Hmm claimed it was useless to try to get help due to his connections. And so there are a lot of women that are rightfully scared to come forward sure. because of threats to their families. Like these women have families in Colombia. Yeah, yeah. And who knows, you know, it says one person, but surely one person cannot operate an international sex trafficking ring. There has to be multiple people involved. And so that's yeah. a real danger yeah. for women in, you know, cantina, strip club, even on the street yeah. is, you know, if you do go to law enforcement, there could be, you could end up dead or beaten. Yeah. Well, yeah. And we know that like in certain, in certain cases, um, and probably in this one, right? Like the, those who are being exploited, um, you know, maybe they're not coming forward because they do still believe that he was legitimate law enforcement. And if and if if a cop would do what he did, then you can't trust any of them, right? Yeah. I mean, how can you tell the difference between who's who? And you know, especially if you don't speak the language, you can't. You know, you're, you're not reading badge numbers and jurisdictions and things like that, right? So you don't know who to come forward to. And even if you did, you feel like you can't trust the people who are in power because they're the ones who've exploited you. Yeah, and a lot of times they, they don't use the term trafficking. Like, well, there's that too, right? <laughs> many of the women I talked yeah. to in a cantina, like they would never consider themselves trafficked. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, that's not. They a, just think they made a bad decision mm, and that this is their fault. Yeah, and yeah. Now they're stuck and they just have to, you know, deal with the consequences. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's a whole nother work of helping people self-identify with trafficking like especially when it's manipulation a lot of times people don't even know when they're being manipulated right it can be that powerful yeah um, over a person yes uh, again to this case in particular right i mean you could see where 
someone who was victimized by this individual, they might have thought that what they were doing was totally legitimate. They they did get him to, um, you know, smuggle them across the border, or I don't know exactly how he facilitated that, right? But yeah. you know, he forced them into this debt bondage contract, and maybe they thought it was perfectly appropriate to be paying two hundred fifty dollars a week because they're in the United States now. I mean, again, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of well, um, I mean, theorizing, you know, yeah, but yeah, I mean, and if there is a contract, you know, and you signed it, I guess you've signed like, it now. Yeah, yeah. You know, what did the contract say? You know, it could have yeah. had nothing to do with trafficking, but all of a sudden now you have this debt that you've agreed to. You know, you could have been forcibly agreed to sure. sign this thing. So that's another form of of leverage that mm. traffickers hold over these people, and you know, this is something that is common. Mm-hmm. Especially in like IMBs, cantinas. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times we think of strip clubs as, you know, above board, just kind of like normal part of right. a city. You know, it, you know, all cities have, you know, major cities have strip clubs. Sure. Um, but in this particular case, you know, this strip club is, is kind of operating like a brothel. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's something that we'll see even more of because like Houston, there's over 300 brothels. And so if you're in a sexually oriented business, there's obviously competition. Mm-hmm. And so how can you continue to, to just yeah. provide one service where all these different places are popping up? Like you... And unfortunately, that's created this sort of criminal industry. Yeah, and that goes back to something you said on the first half of the episode is like, this is, we're the market. Yeah. Like, we are the demand side. And for all the immigration conversations and, you know, the smuggling stuff, it's like, well, you know, as long as there's a demand, there will be a supply. So, as we've thought through both of these two cases, Um, I guess kind of the final question I want to land on with you is how can everyday citizens, how can people watching, you know, us and listening to us right now help, right? Like how, how can they help? What, what action can they take? And what does it mean to be a, a more informed citizen in maybe like the quote unquote right way? Yeah. I think what most people do is we read the headline, you know, Mm. 54 people arrested in a trafficking sting and, you know, we share that. Yeah. Because it's a high number. Yeah. Or because it's in our neighborhood. Yeah. Or because it's by where we live. Or, yeah, yeah. Or it's like, oh, man, that's terrible. I need other people to know that's terrible. Or maybe you're feeling like we need to prove that trafficking is real, so share this headline because it proves that trafficking is real. Yeah. and But then that's it. Yeah, and it doesn't <laughs> yeah. go anywhere from there. But to to really care about our community, I think we need to – like these are all posted online. Anyone can go and read – what we're sharing with you today. This isn't like our expert opinion. Like this is something that was written out, posted online and we can read it. We can learn from it and we can now begin to educate people in our circles, Mm. begin to be more vocal about this, understanding that the more and more people know that this is happening, uh, maybe eventually as a city we'll say, Hey, this is, this is something that shouldn't exist. Yeah. And we have to do something about it. Right. And make that switch in our minds to say, like, this isn't happening somewhere else. This isn't happening amongst, you know, just elite people where, where like, you know, Jeffrey Epstein's right. and, and all those. T- like, this is happening in our community, mm-hmm. in our city, mm-hmm. down the street from where some people live. Yeah. 
And it's our duty to learn. We have to learn. Otherwise, these criminals will begin to continue to innovate, continue to operate unchallenged yeah. with no one knowing what's going on in these places. And we just stay in our bubbles. And, yeah. you know, it's not good to stay in your bubble. Mm. It's good to get out yeah. of that bubble and look at someone else's suffering and begin to just even just listen, right. even just learn. That will compel you to want to bring more awareness to it, to shine a light on it. Yeah. And um, so I think if we read these, you know, stories and, and news articles and just become more informed and, and aware that this is happening yeah. and not write it off as like, you know, or share it just to receive yeah. some sort of notoriety. Right. Like right. In the know. Or Look, I care. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but do it in a way where you, you, you become educated. Yeah. That way, in future years, we can say, like, no, this, we recognize what that is, and that's mm-hmm. not going to happen anymore. Yeah, that's so good. Um, that's good. Yeah, so, um, so maybe we'll close with, like, let's say uh, somebody has heard your call to action just now. <laughs> what, uh, what does Elijah Rising do that might give them an on-ramp to not just be that informed citizen, but take the next step. Maybe we'll close like that. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I mean, listening to this podcast, this is, this like is something subscribe. we want to start doing regularly. Yeah. You know, not just talking about, you know, just uh, profit stuff or the way that we organize our, you know, way we operate programs. Right, right. Stuff like that. We really want to help bring insight to you guys by bringing real news, real stuff that's happening in Houston yeah. and in other areas for sure. Um, so the Elijah Rising podcast is a great way to start. Um, the second thing you could do is you can maybe set up a Google alert that says yeah. you can type in Houston sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. Every time there's a trafficking event that happens, you're going to get an email right. with that story. Yeah. And you know, begin to read those Yeah, and just become edu- do some work on your own to become educated yeah. and to learn. Um, and then the other thing is is word of mouth. Hmm. Tell some people, tell five people, tell ten people. Yeah. Continue we have to continually talk about it. The more that we say that, oh well this is the way it's gonna be and this is the way it's always been, mm. Houston is just always gonna be a place where women are trafficked and brothels are on every corner. Like, yeah. that's not something that we should be okay with. It right. shouldn't be something that sits with us. Um, so we need to, you know, get involved, volunteer with Elijah Rising. We like I said, we took people on van tours and showed them this Yeah, these locations. These locations. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Jacob yeah. Locas was right by our old office. Right. Yeah, down the street from us. Yeah. And all it takes is, you know, the right people to get upset and begin to true. do something and make some moves. Yeah. And um, yeah. Yeah, and you can also uh, become a monthly donor of Elijah Rising. You can yeah. support this work. Uh, you know, David said something a second ago, um I can't remember what sparked the thought in my head, but one of the things we say often in our office, David and I sit right next to each other all day, is, uh, you know, we hope that one day we don't have jobs. Like, yeah. <laughs> like our goal, our goal is to work ourselves out of this job to where we don't need to do this anymore, and we we go off into the sunset and do something different, right? Uh, now we're we're not close to that day yet, but you know, we're going to keep working towards it, uh, but you know, your monthly support makes that work possible and, and, and makes that goal and that dream a little bit closer. So uh, we encourage yeah. you to to become a monthly uh, supporter of Elijah Rising and join, can I say it, the Rise yeah. community. 
I would think it's already would should be already out. It's by it's now. it's up and out now. Um, so join the Rise community. Join a community of uh, well informed citizens uh, that are taking a stand against sex trafficking and support the work of Elijah Rising. Come volunteer with us. Uh, like and subscribe to this podcast. Yeah. And thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us today for this episode. If you were inspired by this content today, please share, rate, and leave a review. Also, please consider making a donation at ElijahRising.org slash donate. Your support helps us continue the vital mission to combat sex trafficking. Until next time.